Look at my butt. Show number 256 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Hello, listeners. <laughs> we are so full of news that we can hardly even say hello to you. <laughs> and we want to start out with an amazing story. It is an amazing story. It is. So I got an email this week from Amazing Stories. And the headline is, Your Amazing Stories Store Order from March 4th, 2015 (laughs) is complete. (laughs) I go, what the hell is this? Well, apparently I ordered something for Lena's birthday. In 2015, (laughs) and now I have a vague memory of this, um, that now has finally shown up, at least as far as they are concerned. Yes, exactly. It hasn't actually shown up, like not (laughs) at my house or anything. And yeah, I remember we talked about this. Like there (laughs) was a, there it was when we were thinking, oh, that sounds really good, and and um, you know what a clever idea and all that. And yeah, that was three years ago. So I remember that part of it for sure. (laughs) And I am vaguely remembering that the person who made this, he and I had some pleasant email chat. Yeah. And then Uh I totally forgot about it. So, you know, I sent it to you, <laughs> forwarded the email to you, and uh, you responded in all caps, geez. <laughs> that, that was my, after I got done laughing, that was my yep. sum and total response. So then yesterday, I emailed you and said, did it get there? And you said? Uh, no, it has not shown up yet. So, so who knows? Another three years? Yeah, maybe. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so I, I will let you know, of course. Of course. Um, okay. Oh, that's... And what it is, apparently, I, I mean, there's no point in keeping it secret, because I'm pretty <laughs> sure we talked about it, mm-hmm. is it is a, um, a comic called mm-hmm. A Doctor for the Enterprise, a science fiction parody, um, and it's about Doctor Who meeting Captain Kirk and all of them. Yep. And um, yeah, I'm actually now I'm looking through our show archives, believe it or not. And we talked about it in, yes, in May of 2015. And at the website, there was a review of it. So we discussed the review and there were some sample pages that were were on there. So yes, we did discuss it at that point. Okay, so (laughs) technically, you have not aged three years. (laughs) Because you never actually hit that birthday. <laughs> uh-huh. That's good. I like that. I'm I figured very you happy would like that. that. That's got to be a good feeling. But this will be very exciting when it <laughs> shows up. Your finely aged comic. Oh aged God. in oak or something. <sighs> well, good. I'm, I'm glad they let you know. That was nice of them. Yes. Very, very nice. And the them. stunning thing to me, at least I haven't heard from them, so I'm assuming it's okay. I, I was very surprised to find out. I'm using the same credit card that I used three years ago. <laughs> wow. Because I'm always switching off depending on who's got the best deal going. Of course. And, you yeah. know, anyway. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah. You're uh, getting a comic from a parallel universe where time moves differently. Oh, God. That's so funny. Well, good. And I'm glad. Uh, and, and now we'll have, you know, some resolution to that entire story. And let's hope. <laughs> 
My goodness. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Oh, gosh, we have just so much stuff to talk about. Um, you know, I'd really like to dive into the Lockwood thing just because. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought we would want to start with our reviews, but I am totally okay. Okay. We'll do that and then and we'll go to the reviews. And the Lockwood thing is just because I have so many questions. Okay. So let me ask you, since you brought it up, how did you find this? Um, where did it come up? I'm trying to think. Things are always showing up in my mailbox or mm-hmm. on Facebook or something. And uh, and you always ask me, where did you find this? And I have to say, <laughs> as I always do, I don't know. All right. Well, that's, that's fine. Um, this is a, a story about a fan film called Star Trek Equinox. Star Trek colon Equinox. And it was one of many, many fan films. Um, there were a bunch that were being kind of produced under uh, an umbrella name of Hidden Frontier. And I believe we've talked about some of those before. Mm-hmm. And this one was uh, kickstarted, I believe, back in 2014. And they raised a bunch of money and they filmed some short scenes to promote it and uh, to sort of let people know that they were spending their money wisely. And then they went quiet for a long, long time. And in 2016, <laughs> the people who were buying, yeah, so time goes by. Really? 2016, they released. Uh, a press release, I guess, to say that they were not going to do it as a video production. They were going to do it as an audio production because of all the paramount restrictions on fan films. So they were proceeding as planned. That was in 2016, and nothing has happened since then. So everybody kind of assumes that they were never able to do anything. And if you go to the Hidden Frontiers website, uh, which, as I said, is the umbrella brand for all of these fan films underneath it. And you go to the mm-hmm. Equinox page, it says page under construction. So they don't have any kind of information. The most information to be gleaned, which you sent me the link to, is at a site called Fan Film Factor, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Like, I don't remember whether we'd come across this before, but it's a website that's specifically devoted to talking about Star Trek fan films. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They have information on all the different ones and updates on what they're doing. They even have updates on the Axonar lawsuit, which we're going to get to a little bit later in the, the show. So the best thing about this is that they managed somehow, and we do not know how, to get Gary Lockwood to come and be in their little fan film. I know. And what you can see on YouTube, because the clip is still up there, is uh, about a, what, two-minute clip? Maybe, that, yeah. Yeah, that features Lockwood as Gary Mitchell uh, from a parallel universe or something like that. Obviously, it's Mitchell as the same age as Lockwood in, is now, and he's wearing a TOS uniform, a gold shirt, and he's talking about some secret mission thing that's going to happen. I don't know what it was. Well, I'm going to throw some more information in. Please, please do. It's not a parallel universe. Oh, okay. The idea, well, you know, um, <laughs> the idea is that uh, Starfleet or the Federation or whoever mm-hmm. found out about Gary becoming a god. And so they went and dug him up <gasps> and oh like reanimated him to study him. Uh-huh. But I don't know what happened then, but somehow now... He is fleet captain. Uh-huh. And Mitchell is so incredibly bad in that little clip that it's hard oh. to watch. But the part I remember him saying is, well, 
Jim's an admiral now, and I'm fleet captain. And I'm going to go do this thing. So that's sort of the premise of it. Now, also, I noticed in that very short clip that it opens with a standard uh, sort of Starfleet, um, you know, when they have the messages, incoming messages, and it displays the Starfleet logo. And then at the bottom, it says something like, from the Department of Temporal Investigation, so our friend, (gasps) the Time Cops. So somehow they're involved in this as well? I don't know. Ah. I don't know. So the only other information... Our I friend, know, the time cops. Okay. weirder and weirder. So well. apparently they based this idea off of an episode of Voyager called Equinox, where there was a ship called the Equinox, a Federation starship. And since I didn't watch Voyager, I don't know what happened. So I, I read the, right. the Wikipedia entry and I didn't really understand what had happened there. The, the carryover is that this particular episode or two-part episode on Voyager featured the actor John Savage, who then reprises his role in this fan film. And his character's called, he has a terrible name. His character's oh, name I is, know. It's so awful. It's Rudy Ransom, which sounds like he should be in a porn movie or oh. in a, like a, a, you know, a Harlequin romance, Rudy or Ransom. Or a kitty cartoon. I mean, when I... Kirk confronts an enemy and says, this is Captain James C. Kirk of Starship Enterprise. You're like, holy shit, you know, pay Mm -hmm. attention. This is Captain Rudy Ransom. It's like, (laughs) no. It's really bad. So somehow they got him to participate in this. And, I, you know, John Savage is a working actor. He's Mm -hmm. done a million billion things. I know him best from the movie version of uh, Hair, where he played Claude Hooper Bukowski very well, I thought. I love that movie. I do, too. And I thought he was very, very excellent in that movie. But he's been in lots and lots of other things. You know, if you look at his IMDb credits, it's about three pages long so somehow they talked him into doing this as well except that it's not happening now so it will never happen but I do not understand how they got Lockwood to do it because they raised a total of like six thousand dollars on Kickstarter this was not like a ten thousand or a hundred thousand dollar Kickstarter six thousand bucks and as we know Gary Mitchell doesn't do anything for less than five thousand dollars he won't even get out of bed for that amount of money (laughs) As he told us in great detail at the yes, con. Yes, yes. So I don't know how they got him to do this. It's really weird. Well, maybe they, they said, look, we, we don't have much money now. In fact, none. But there's a chance that we'll make this and Paramount will love it and make it into mm-hmm. a series or a movie. And there you'll be, you know, um, yeah. being Gary gary mitchell again um but i'm sure that if you you the hot chick wrote a fan letter to gary lockwood and say (laughs) i just found out about this whatever happened where is this i can't wait to see you back in star trek he'll tell you oh I, i was just thinking if we encountered him at a con and I asked him this question. We would never get away. He well, that's just... what I'm saying. Email. Email. Like fan yeah. letter email. or, fan you know. Letter. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So that's all weird. But it gets a little weirder, I have oh, to say. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and and there's even a little bit that I didn't tell you about that I just oh found God. today, which I'm going to oh, realize. So okay, I'm there's ready. A, there's a Facebook page 
called Star Trek Equinox Facebook, which I believe it actually is just Equinox now. Like they dropped the Star Trek part because they were thinking about detrekking it and just making it a, mm-hmm. a generic kind of space opera thing. But I don't know because they haven't posted since 2016. And the guy who is the co-originator, he says, of the Equinox idea says that uh, it is with a heavy heart that I announced the failure of the filming project. This is due to the fact that it has been four months since I have heard from, um, he says, Mr. Nyanhouse, I think, who is responsible for the filming endeavor. We appreciate his efforts. The project has lost momentum, blah, blah, blah. I am resuming production of the original Star Trek Equinox audio series with the assistance of Hidden Frontier Productions, which seemingly never happened. Mm. So I was like, who's who's Mr. Nyanhouse? So I look up his name, and his name is Eric Nyanhouse, and apparently he's quite infamous in kind of fanish endeavors for being a con artist a complete and total con artist oh so wow he'll do things like come to a, a an effort and say hey i'll help you do this i'll executive produce it give me some of the money and i'll go off and make contacts and then he just takes the money and runs and i found story after story where he had really screwed people over for things including this so let uh-huh. me just read this to you this is amazing maybe he conned gary lockwood it's possible it's very very possible so um they had uh gosh what is the year on this this was like in 20 2014 or 2015 2016 i'm sorry they had a warriors fest so warriors the movie they have conventions for people who really like that movie and people dress up and they do all kinds of things for it and it's really fun warriors is actually a really good movie i like it a lot okay i gotta say i've never even heard of it but proceed it's it was from the (laughs) 80s and it was a um a kind of movie about a dystopian future in new york where there were these gangs and one of them they dressed up like baseball players and it was it's a very weird weird movie but it's really well made for a budget of probably like you know five thousand dollars or something uh-huh. okay it's, it's and it's very tense and action-packed and it, and it was good so people are real fans of it they have a real affection for this movie anyway there was a warriors fest and he was one mr Ninehouse was one of the promoters and he took a whole bunch of money from people he stiffed the actors he stiffed the bands who were going to play and it was a, a real disaster so I found a page where someone else was complaining about him wrecking another convention for uh, women's wrestling, the um, Glow, the Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Yes, that's a a TV show. Yeah, and so there's supposed to be a thing where um, he, again, took people's money and didn't pay the, the ones that he was supposed to and didn't tell people where they were staying and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, people have a big hate for him. And it's surprising of, he keeps using this name. I mean, I know it's a very unusual name. Yeah. Here's the comment at the end. And this was left in 2016. It says, was at the Warriors 2016 fest in Coney Island last month. Eric stiffed all the actors, banned vendors for their money. Then to get out of the venue, he faked a heart attack then oh, jumped, and then jumped out of the ambulance and fled up the subway steps and jumped onto a train. <laughs> Somebody's got to make a movie about him. Oh my god! So he literally took the money and ran, like he and he faked a heart attack to get out of the venue. Okay, this is what I want. I want them to make a movie about him, and I want Bill to play him. Oh god! 
unbelievable. It's crazy. So when I saw that comment, I was like, yes, that's my, that's my tidbit for today. So, um, (laughs) getting back to Star Trek Equinox, they associated with this guy. He said he was going to be able to get them a deal and get filming. They gave him all their Kickstarter money and he took the money and ran and never came back. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's kind of sad. You know, I, you should really vet the people that you involve in your productions. (laughs) Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's too bad. So if anybody has any other information about Equinox, or if you know how Gary Lockwood got involved, ah, I think we would love to hear about that. I think so. Yeah. You should watch the clip. I'll put in a link for it. It's bad. It's it's just not good. Like Lockwood doesn't seem particularly interested in it and the script isn't very good and who knows whether it would have been you know in the hands of someone who could write and direct whether it would have been a good thing or not there's another clip on youtube that's like a little behind the scenes thing which shows them filming it in someone's rec room it looks like i don't know if you watch that or not. oh no i missed that part yeah it's it really does look like they're filming it in someone's rec room um and lockwood unfortunately doesn't look great in that starfleet outfit you know oh yeah he's sitting in the captain's chair they have a replica of a captain's chair and in the the clip of the 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 teaser clip that they show it's only him from the shoulders up but here you can see him sitting in the chair and he's wearing a shirt that's just a bit too tight for him and he just he doesn't look good you know i know he's an old guy and everything but Mm -hmm. they could have gone with a better costume to to be more flattering is what i'm saying yes Hmm. So there's that. Man, that was a real rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you made it out alive. I'm glad. And now everybody knows how crazy it is. So there we go. Um, Now let's get to some reviews because I believe you have some things to tell us. Well, yes, I finished reading Bill's book, Live Long And. Uh And it's, it's actually a fairly short book. It won't take you all that long to read it. But it is very interesting um parts of it are almost painful to read really why well he you know he talks a little bit about growing up and you know i've always said i thought he had some sort of strained relationship with his father turns Mm. out it's his mother really and he said she apparently was not a uh Oh, a giving sort of woman. He doesn't go into great detail, but he does say one thing he remembers from when he was a kid, and I can't remember the age, but for some reason, I'm thinking eight, maybe younger. His father was on the road all week long, you know, Mm -hmm. until he was actually able to start his own business making suits. But before that, he was a suit salesman, so he Uh wasn't home all during the week. And uh, little Billy asked his mother... Do you love daddy more than you love me? (laughs) And she said, yes, because he gives me things. (gasps) And Bill says he thinks that has colored all his relationships with women. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. As you were saying this, I was just thinking about the stories that he's told about his mother. He portrays her as sort of a... A character, right? You know, the right, story a little bit her. offbeat, yeah. Yeah, you know, getting the free cake in the, the mm-hmm. restaurant. It's my birthday every week, and the, the you know that the kids all being slightly embarrassed by it. But I never got that feeling before that 
they had that, like, like she was like that, or that they had that kind of, uh, I will say, non-relationship, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, that's very sad. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, like I said, some of it, you know, it it is... I don't want to say raw because that makes it sound like it's not well written or whatever, or it's a, you know, a, a vomit of emotion. And it's mm-hmm. not like that at all. In fact, a lot of it, I ended up sort of skimming because first of all, it was stories we already mm-hmm. knew, mm-hmm. or it was Bill talking about, you know, why you would not want to ask him for financial advice and, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And, and a little bit philosophical, which was sort of interesting, but I did bookmark some things that I would like to quickly go through if we have that that. kind of time. Well, at one point, uh, fairly early on in the book, he's talking about um, his approach to acting and, um, and then he says, uh, and I thought this was really interesting. He says, uh, he says, where is this? (laughs) Okay. Many of the actors I see today don't really express emotions. They imitate emotions. Please don't think I am criticizing any actor. Not only wouldn't I do that, but I would be wrong if I did. The quality of work I see on television in the movies these days is very good. But few of these people have been trained on the stage, and there is a Mm. difference. They have learned their craft in many instances by watching other actors portray emotions and then they imitate that so in some cases they're actually imitating an imitation Mm. of real emotion they are that far removed from real feeling Mm -hmm. and he says i was taught not to portray emotion but rather to create a full-bodied character and allow that character to experience the emotion and he brings up something you and i commented on not that long ago There was a TV show in which I portrayed a man whose grandchild has been found after missing for several weeks. Yes. The director or the writer, who must have been an asshole, was worried. (laughs) That was me with the editorial comment. Uh Was worried that I wouldn't know what to do. The director Uh, suggested. Excuse me? Excuse me? Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. The director suggested a response. Now, here's a a sentence I really don't understand, but I have felt the loss of children. Hmm. I've felt that pain. As I began the scene, I choked back sobs and used some of the author's words, but the emotion of that scene was real. Remember you and me talking about that scene? He yeah. was amazing in that show. He, he was, was so good, like just miles above everybody else who was in it. It was mm-hmm. incredible. Okay, let me find some more. What does he mean, the loss of children, though? I don't know. Um, just FYI, he, he has three kids and they're all alive. Mm-hmm. And they've got kids, grandkids, and they're all alive, as far as I know. I, I can't think of any family tragedies that have happened to his immediate family, unless he's talking about. Um, I mean, we don't know much about his sister and that, but I mm-hmm. never heard anything. You think you Maybe heard there that. was a miscarriage or something. Yeah, yeah, could be. You know, who knows? Oh. But anyway, um, he mentions a couple times about carrying anger all his life after mm-hmm. his first divorce. And part of it was anger at her father, who somehow forced Bill to agree to this very, very high alimony payment, Mm -hmm. knowing he had just lost his job in Star Trek. Um, 
he, but he says, like just about everyone else for much of my life, I kept my emotions inside. But among the few real benefits of age is that you finally reach a point where you don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> and he says, in March 2017, my family gathered to celebrate a birthday. During the night, my 14-year-old granddaughter asked me a very difficult question. Her grandmother, my first wife, and the mother of our three children was in a hospital suffering from dementia. Oh, no. I never knew oh. this. But the granddaughter said, Papa, why can't you go see her? The entire table quieted. It was an uncomfortable moment. Oh, to say the least. Jesus Christ. There were people sitting there who loved her and did not know or understand what had happened between us. I could have ignored the question or made a glib remark. That's what people generally do, especially, uh, rather than admitting to their emotions, especially unpleasant emotions. Instead, I said, honestly, because I still have the rage. And then he goes on to say, the truth is, I have never gotten over being angry about our divorce, and I couldn't pretend that I did. I know what I did to cause that divorce. I long ago accepted responsibility for my actions. So I explained, I am, oh, here it is. I'm so angry that I let her father, who had the money, force me to use all of my resources to buy the house that your mother and your two aunts lived in in Beverly Hills when I didn't have $15 in my pocket. I understood her anger too, but it wasn't necessary to punish me like that for years mm. and he says as he said this he could feel that anger surging oh my god all wow. those years later and it was still there wow boy boy bill dropping some truth bombs here he really really is and i've just, i'm looking and i have bookmarked so many things and i'm not not going to go through them all but if you um are interested in Bill, interested in his life. You know, of course, he talks about his his love of horses and how that has affected him. And, um, oh, wait, I do want to tell you about when he did the magic mushrooms in Amsterdam. Oh, I, yes, I would like to hear that. Wow, well, oh. that's very, very sad about oh. Gloria, his first wife. Yes, um, you know, the whole thing awful. is sad, yeah. And Oh, but that situation, that, you know, I, I didn't really understand about that I what he had said previously what I understood previously was that the divorce settlement was based on the amount of money he was making at Star Trek mm -hmm. right while they were together and the alimony agreement was just kind of based on the assumption he was always going to be making that kind of money right and, and I got it wrong it was that his fa her father somehow forced him to buy some very expensive home yeah and for so them. I never knew that. I mean, he's never, ever said that. And mm -hmm. I always, so based on what he had said or what we understood, maybe he never actually said it, but mm -hmm. that he had been forced to pay this very high alimony because of his earning power. I always wondered why he didn't go back and, and revisit that, you know, mm -hmm. like, hey, Bill, hire a lawyer and go have them renegotiate something, given the fact that you're now making, you know, $10,000 a year instead of right. 100000 And right. he never did. But I guess he couldn't. Once he bought the house, that was it. Then his money was all gone at that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Wow. wow, that sucks. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, okay. <laughs> he and Liz were in Amsterdam. Wh and when was this? What? When was this? Well, I don't know the exact year, but it was obviously within the past 10 years. That's about okay. how long they've been married, right? I thought he might have said when it was. Oh, he probably did, but I'm not at that page. 
said, I bookmarked too many things. Okay. Um, but somebody said, do you want to do some magic mushrooms? And neither of them had ever done them. They said, sure. So, you know, the guy gave them these and uh, they said, let's go back to the hotel and then we'll do them. So they go back to the hotel. They're in the room. They each do their magic mushrooms. And Bill had such a terrible experience. Aww. He was seeing creatures crawling oh. out of the walls, coming after him. Oh, my God. All kinds of horrible things. And at one point, he reached over and touched Liz's hand and said, are you all right? And she said, isn't this the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? <sighs> oh, no. So she was having this oh, no. other totally different experience. That's, oh, poor Bill. I, I so know. Him. And um, did he say that there was anybody with them or it was just the two of them? Just the two of them is what it sounded like. Oh, see, I, I have never done psychedelic drugs like that. Me but neither. I understand that when you do it for the first time, you really should have somebody with you who's done it before so that they can help you when oh, you're yeah. having a very bad trip. Yes. So, um, yeah, there. this... Yeah, I like I said, this is not a real long book, but um, there is a lot of, uh, you know, his his feelings about death and the life mm. he's lived and, you know, a, a lot of, uh, you know, gratitude for the life he's lived, that he has been afforded all kinds of opportunities that other people aren't. And, you know, his idea of, you say yes. When you yeah. answer the phone, you don't even say hello. You say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I really recommend it. And I'm going to go through my bookmarks again. And if I find something I think really, really, you know, is going to like pop out or, or be of special interest to our listeners, I will put it on the Facebook page. Oh, good. That's awesome. That would yeah, because be could, we could take up the whole show going through <laughs> this stuff. And we've got a lot of other to talk about but I have to give that a big you know a big plus big thumbs up and like I say mm -hmm. there are parts where my heart just went out to him yeah wow okay well I'm definitely going to read it now it was it's on my list yes uh, I, there were a couple <laughs> other things oh I'll just very briefly tangentially mention <clears throat> this book that I read um, which is called uh, Full Service and they made a documentary out of it and it's by a guy named Scotty Bowers and I've heard that name. Uh, you probably read about this. So the book was written several years ago. The documentary came out. I oh, yes. I, this, I saw yes. the documentary. Uh, you saw it. Okay. Yes, I did. Um, so the book is based on his experiences in Hollywood where he landed mm -hmm. after finishing up in the Marines after World War II. And he became... Um, an unpaid uh, pimp, essentially, providing sex to everyone in Hollywood and outside of Hollywood that you could ever imagine mm -hmm. with him doing some of the sex himself. And it's it's a very weird book. And I believe about 75% of it. I think that mm -hmm. much is true. There's 25% of it that definitely didn't happen um, or <laughs> is highly, highly, highly embellished. And it mm -hmm. confirmed some stuff about, you know, who was gay and who wasn't and right. some people's sexual habits. There's a section in there about the Beatles. I don't know if that made it into the documentary. No. Um, not about the Beatles having sex, but about Brian Epstein. Oh, and yes. He says that Brian had come out to California well, bef 
just prior prior to him managing the Beatles. And I don't actually think that's true. I don't think yeah. he made it out to California. I knew he went to New York mm-hmm. to meet with people in the record biz because he was running a company, NEMS, mm-hmm. at that time. Right. But I don't think he ever made it to California. So I, I have some Beatle friends, and including my friend um, Janine, who knows everything. So I'm going to check with her to see what she's Right, doing. right. So uh, anyway... Um, in case anybody's interested in this sort of thing, the book is, like I said, kind of weird. There are some parts of it that are super creepy, especially about his childhood. I don't recommend reading those. Mm-hmm. But if you like if you like sexually charged gossip about Hollywood in the 40s and 50s, this book is definitely for you. Well, I have to tell you a little bit about the documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to it because I thought, fun and dishy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> right. And uh, first of all, it didn't tell me anything about anyone that wasn't already fairly common knowledge. Yes, yes. And then the other parts, and like you say, especially the parts about his childhood, um, were were uh, made me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. which it should. But um, also, the life he's living now, I don't know if the book got into that, but he has turned into a major hoarder. Mm. And he has... Like, uh, he owns three homes in Los Angeles. He's married to this rather strange woman. And went in. they were making a documentary as the book was coming out because he received boxes of books. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, look, here it is printed. And the person doing the documentary says to the wife, you're going to read this? No, no, I don't want to know about that. And he said, yeah, she'll never read it. It would bother. And it's just, it was like they didn't know what documentary they were trying to make. Yeah, I, I read that. I read a number of reviews of the documentary, and that, mm-hmm. that was definitely the criticism. Um, it, it's just, it's very weird. Things that I find most unbelievable, you know, he talks about people like, you know, Cary Grant and Randall mm-hmm. Scott. Like, gosh, everybody knows about that now. That's right. not like a secret anymore. But he says this thing about Brian Epstein and also that the Duke and Duchess of Windsor were out in California, you know, hanging with Bill mm-hmm. Howard and Cecil Beaton, and that, you know, he was bringing them people for sex all the time. I was like, no, that, no, that didn't happen. That wasn't yeah. what they did. The Duke and Duchess of Windsor were like the ultimate snobs. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. They, they didn't go to Hollywood to mingle with movie people. They were in mm-hmm. France with all the other stuck-up British expats. And it's like, yeah. Oh. Anyway, all right. Sorry, that was just a tangent because that was the book I just finished reading before I was. Oh, gonna get okay. To I was going to say, how did we get to this that, subject? That, that okay, was, okay. Was, so now you have a review. I do. I don't want to get too in depth because I'd like for us to discuss this more when when you've listened to it. And I'm talking about Bill's album called Why Not Me. Okay. And as I posted on the Facebook group, it's on Spotify. If you can make Spotify work on your yes, device I, of choice, I have to say, fuck Spotify. But anyway. <laughs> Um, it, it, I have been listening to it via Spotify on my laptop and that seems to work. Okay. Okay. You you can buy it on Amazon. You can stream it. If you have Kindle unlimited on Amazon, you can stream it for free or you could buy it for 10 bucks or something. And I will say for me, it's hit or miss. There are some songs on it that I really like quite a lot and others that are just too, uh, kind of overtly, self-consciously jokey and Mm -hmm. stereotypical like here's some titles friends don't let friends drink alone there's one called beam me up there's one called too old to be vegan there's one called i hate to waste good beer 
like I think you get the idea of what those songs are like, you know. But and you know what? Those are very typical country music. Titles. I know that. So I, I that's kind of like <laughs> okay. why I want you to listen to this because you listen to more country music than I do. Yes, yes. And I, you can tell me whether those songs are any good or not. So for well, me, they just don't do it for me. That's going to be completely personal. But I have to tell you, I read a list recently going, listen to these terrible country song <laughs> titles. And the titles are part of what I love about country music. Mm-hmm. But on that list were some things I went, I like that. I've heard that. That's a good song. So it's like, you know, I think it depends on where you're coming from. And I am yeah. really looking forward to listening to it. Yeah. The musicianship is great. The production's mm-hmm. really good. You know, Bill seems very interested in all this. I, I guess it's, for me, it's, you know, when he's doing stuff to be funny, when he's trying really hard, like when he did Big Giant Head stuff mm-hmm. on Third Rock from the Sun, I didn't find that funny. I didn't either. A was few trying- things, but most of it, no. He was trying really hard to be funny. Like, yeah. here I am being funny. And it, and those songs to me are like that. Mm-hmm. I like, you know, Bill's very funny when he's totally underplaying something. And that, to me, that doesn't come across on this record. But mm. having said that, there are several songs that I feel are uh, really nice. They're very gentle Good. and um, loving songs. There's one called Got a Thing for You. Um, there's one called Why Not Me. There's another one um, called What Some People Throw Away, which is really quite nice. And another oh, one called... Oh, do ahead. you know that song? No, I was going to say that's a really good title, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, it, it's very good. <laughs> and uh, it tells a little story also. And mm-hmm. then there's a song called That's What Dreamers Do, which is not the song that you might know called That's What Dreamers Do. It's a new song. Mm-hmm. And they're oh. good. And he does his, you know, his talky, singy sort mm-hmm. of thing on them. And they're good. Um there's one song on here called, um, where is it? Hold on. Um, Shoulda Loved. And that song, I don't know who it's about. I don't know if it's a real song about a real person or whether it's just a conceit of the record. Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds like it's about Noreen. I don't know. Mm. Um, it's just him expressing regret. You know, he, mm-hmm. the, the form of the song is him talking about all the good things that he's done, but then he has this huge regret that he didn't love someone enough. And oh, that does sound he, like his yeah, feelings about Noreen. The way he, the way he, he sings it is very like emotionally raw. Like, you really mm-hmm. feel like he's meaning it. And it's, it's a little shocking how deeply he seems to feel this. And that's why I think wow. it's a real thing and not just mm-hmm. him doing a song but yeah. i want to hear you um, after you listen to it let's talk about it again on the show and then we can sort out what what's actually going on but yes. i definitely recommend people listen to it you know it's not, it's never going to be as good as has been nothing ever will be oh has but, been i could still listen to has been you know it's so good uh but it's it's very nice now, I will also say I posted for everybody to listen to on Facebook the one track that's been released from the Christmas album, which yes! is Jingle Bells. And oh, my God, that was certainly something. It was <laughs> wacko. <laughs> is the whole album going to be like that? Who I, knows? Well, I it's him and Henry Rollins. Oh, my God. You know, and really, when you think about has been every song uh, mood-wise and everything was different. And certainly when he was like working with Henry Rollins, it's like they picked up on each other's yeah. high energy. So mm-hmm. I kind of think they're not all going to be like that. <laughs> I kind of hope not. That was a crazy song. and But I was very glad to find it that they released it. And I knew I had to post it so everybody mm-hmm. could hear it right away. 
Yes, yes, I did listen to that. So, Bill, Bill, Bill. Oh, Bill. Well, I think let's take a little break, and yes. then um, we'll come back with many other things that we and need we're going to gonna have about. to slam through them, but we will. we will. We can do it. Okay, we'll be right back. Okay. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Let's talk about the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction. Encyclopedia yes. of Science Fiction. This is an article that was published in Open Culture magazine website. And it says, the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction, 17,500 entries on all things sci-fi are now free online. There was a published version of this book called the Encyclopedia of Science Fiction. And it then eventually got turned into a CD-ROM version, as you used to do, and that was in yes. 1993. It won a Hugo in 1994, and it eventually migrated online. And now it is all there, and it is all free for people to look things up in. I had a little browse through it, and mm -hmm. it's, it's remarkably complete. There are all kinds of people and topics that are covered in it, but it makes no attempt at all to be unbiased, which I kind of like. Because, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, here's an example. Um, it Every entry is written by a person, so it's not like Wikipedia where people just you know, contribute and it's kind yes, of crowdsourced. Yes. It's, these are actual people with actual opinions, and I get the feeling that a lot of it was – literally poured it over from the print version to the CD-ROM version to mm -hmm. the online version. So, of course, I had to look up Star Trek. That was of the course. first thing that I wanted to find. And the most and, important. But... And the most important, of course. Of course. It's pretty good. It gives a lot of background and mm -hmm. some opinion, and I will read to you what I think is the best stuff. So, it gives a summary it says, it was a phenomenon among science fiction television series. It's set on worlds visited by a giant spaceship, the USS Enterprise, and on the ship itself. Though the crew supposedly number several hundred, only a few of them are ever seen at one time. <laughs> now, here's where it gets good. For fans of written science fiction, Star Trek can seldom have seemed challenging in any way, as it rarely departed from science fiction stereotypes, though in its first two seasons it was certainly adequate and even strong relative to much televised science fiction. So it was adequate. Oh, good. Uh-huh. Although several, several well-known science fiction writers contributed to the first two seasons, their work was invariably rewritten by the show's regular writers. The quality of the scripts had dropped badly by the end of season three. As a general rule, the space opera format was not used with any great imagination. A typical episode would face the crew with alien super beings um, or cases of apparent demonic Possession, telepathic aliens being the rule rather than the exception in Star Trek's universe. The formula seldom varied. Many adult viewers came to feel that the series was bland, repetitious, scientifically mediocre, and, in its earnest moralizing, trite. 
The effort effort to please all and offend none was evident in the inclusion of a token Russian, a token Asiatic, and together in person, in the person of actress Nichelle Nichols, a token black and token woman. (laughs) The defect in this liberal internationalism was that all these characters behaved in a traditional white Anglo-Saxon Protestant manner. Only Spock was a truly original creation. Okay. My goodness. Well, that was certainly straightforward and opinionated. Um, mm-hmm. So you can see this is very much written from the point of view of people who were reading science fiction for many, many years before Star Trek came on the air. Yeah. Um, so it goes on to say that, you know, it was not particularly successful. However, it attracted a hardcore of devoted fans, the Trekkies, who made up in passionate enthusiasm what they lacked in numbers. And it goes on to detail all the series that followed it, all the novels that came after it, and blah, blah, blah. Um, Let me see. And that it then got a second life in things like uh, the new movies that came out from uh, Jar Jar Binks and all the rest of them. Um, (laughs) Wait, I have to tell you something. Yes. This is how you absolutely know this was written by people who are into printed or written sci-fi. Uh-huh. The entry for William Shatner tags uh-huh. him as author. <laughs> it should be in quotes, author. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, um, <laughs> it's it's very amusing to me to read all this stuff. And the fact that, you know, all of this was probably written in when the first book of this thing was published in 1980 and they haven't bothered to like edit it at all to sort of give a television context for what Star Trek was doing because a lot of what they say here is true if you compare Star Trek as straight on science fiction to a lot of what was being published at the time yeah it does seem kind of trite and it yeah. doesn't put a lot of boundaries but compared to what was on television at the mm. time like holy shit that was pushing way all boundaries at all times and yep. you know so it it has this the encyclopedia of science fiction has a point of view and if you don't care for that point of view don't go there and look stuff up because you will not be satisfied (laughs) okay yeah but we'll put a link to it anyway okay (laughs) all right i found this very interesting yes uh tng had uh an episode never produced that was going to have two spots and have them meet and it was going to be sort of a sequel to City on the Edge of Forever. Mm. And uh, this, uh, the Trek Docs social media account has revealed the outline for this episode. This was written, the episode, by Tracy Torres, who was later the creator of Sliders. And I liked that show. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So this was going to be called Return to Forever. And would have revealed, and I have seen this either in fanfic or profic, Uh would have revealed that since Spock's initial journey through the portal with Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy, the Guardian has been cordoned off and Uh only a small team of Starfleet scientists are allowed to observe and record the Guardian's images. Have you run into that? I have. I'm pretty sure that's that's in book canon like yeah or that's what i'm thinking or something yeah yeah okay the episode begins with the enterprise d shuttling spock to the guardian for scientific study he is unsentimental about being back aboard the enterprise but can't shake the illogical feeling that he has met some members of its crew before now remember this is 
the Picard Enterprise. Right. Okay, upon arriving at the Guardian, the Enterprise crew finds the research team all dead and only an unidentified sleeping boy left alive in the area. The boy is brought aboard the Enterprise because you always bring aboard things you never know anything about. <laughs> and strange events begin to occur, including Spock going into some kind of coma. Ooh. And no matter how hard they smack him, he doesn't wake up. I made that part up. Okay. Eventually, a younger Spock steps out of the Guardian. He tells the Enterprise crew that his older self is undergoing a process of unlocking repressed memories. The boy eventually wakes up and attacks the crew. But the elder Spock, there's too many Spocks and boys in this, also awakens and is able to defeat the boy because thanks to the younger Spock being present, he knows exactly what the boy is going to try to do at every turn. Once the boy who is actually a powerful 800-year-old entity, is defeated, the two Spocks converse. Before young Spock steps back through the Guardian, the elder Spock touches the younger Spock's head and says, forget, locking away the memories of this adventure until the... until he unlocks them as an older man. The encounter with the young Spock puts the elder Spock in a slightly more sentimental mood, and he asks for a tour of the Enterprise. And then plans fell through because Nimoy lost interest, and so we didn't see him on that until unification. Hmm. Would I want to see that? I would want to see it rewritten, yeah, I think that's how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, what is this younger Spock just suddenly coming through and, and you know, that the, the young boy is actually a powerful 800-year-old entity? And maybe in the script or the outline it tells us what it was there to try to do, but this this little blurb doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I can see why Nimoy would have lost interest in that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, I think... I don't know if he said this, but it seems like the reason he was into doing unification was that it showed his character growing and changing mm-hmm. and really gave him a purpose in the, the Star Trekian universe, right? right? He wasn't just Spock kind of floating around being Spock. He was Spock trying to do something for Vulcan and for Romulan and to make a thing, a really important thing happen, you know, him as a pivotal character. And that must have been, you know, really interesting for him to see his character be on a path mm-hmm. so i think that's why he wanted to do it yeah and this doesn't seem to do that <laughs> so anyway that was that i think it initially had a good premise mm-hmm. um but it seems like it i don't know did, like i said this is somebody writing a boiled down version of a draft. So maybe there's quite a bit more interesting stuff going on, but that's there. And I I think that's, you know, kind of interesting. Yeah. It's always interesting to see what they ended up not doing in Uh a a lot of places. And there's more, I've seen a lot more of that coming out. There's a website. What the heck is it? I I wasn't going to talk about this because I haven't read the thing yet. Oh, here it is. There's a, um, facebook group called the trek files and Mm -hmm. the people who run trek files keep uh, you know they're they're always looking for especially tng stuff that didn't make it in so 
um, whenever they find documentation or script ideas or something like that, they'll try to put the PDFs up so people can see it. And um, the one that I have this tab open for like the last two months trying to read it was a preliminary conceptual work on Star Trek The Next Generation from 1986. And it was a bunch of documents that just talk about um, what they thought TNG should be, which differed quite a bit from what TNG eventually became. So once I've read that, I will be talking about it as soon as I can get around to looking through all these PDFs. Okay. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Hey, I wanted to um, talk about the fact that people leave comments on our blog sometimes, and then I forget to talk about them. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And also that for some reason that you caught recently, there were all these messages that came to the Facebook group that were like stuck in the ether somewhere. And finally showed up. They finally showed up. Like, no kidding. What, two years later? Yeah. There were comments from people. So we wanted to first say thank you to everybody who has sent us comments on Facebook. And we don't know why the hell those things weren't showing up. Um, And we we hope you did not all just go away because we didn't respond. Because I did respond to them last week saying, this just got here. Yeah. (laughs) So, um it just we, we're real sorry about that it wasn't our fault it wasn't our fault <laughs> it was this fucking stuff, technology it was fucking technology um and we will try very hard to make sure that um things don't you know when we get messages we do try to respond to them and so yes again we're just we're sorry about that um i did want to read one comment that came um from one of our listeners from a show that we did a couple of months ago where we were talking about remakes and reboots. This was after we went to Silicon Valley Comic-Con. Okay. And so I thought this was kind of interesting, so I wanted to read it. And this was from Sherry, and she says, "Um, I'm late with this comment, but in answer to your question about remakes, I had asked the question, are there remakes that were better than their original? She Mm -hmm. says, I think most people found the 1977 remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donald Sutherland and Leonard Nimoy to be almost as good as the black and white original with Kevin McCarthy. Hmm. There were slight there were slight differences in aspects of the characters and the impact of color versus black and white was definitely a change, but overall the quality of the film was quite good. Many people thought the same was true of True Grit, the remake with Jeff Bridges. <gasps> yes. But I am, But I am not among them. I thought the original with John Wayne was definitely preferable and was better cast. I thought True Grit was the best movie of the year that year. Okay. The one with Jeff um, Bridges. Right, right. She continues. I would also note that Superman with Christopher Reeve was a fantastic film, especially since a lot of advanced press expected it to be a disappointment due to the iconic nature of the original TV series. Um, the latter TV seri- later TV series starting Dean Kane was pretty high quality, too. Um, and I have a comment on The Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which was um, well done as well, but I don't see where that comment is. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so I, I that's a very interesting point, and I will say that I think the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers is a great movie. It's a really good movie, but it's a fundamentally different movie to me than mm. the original one. It makes a different point, and mm-hmm. it has a very different ending. So... Gosh, in the the terminology we were throwing around back then, you know, of um, remake, reimagining, reboot, I I would almost call it a Mm reimagining rather than a remake because it didn't stick so closely to the plot lines of the original. And that's um, what I think an awful lot of these quote unquote remakes are. mm -hmm. I mean, the Manchurian Candidate is a reimagining, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Total reimagining. Re- reimagining, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I'd say that. Okay, I found the rest of her comments. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Continue. Um, I have to comment on Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which was well done as a story within Twilight Zone, the movie, but which the main character, played by John Lithgow, starts too hysterically and obviously disturbed as compared with William Shatner's Bob Wilson in the original of that story. I mostly hated that movie, even though two of the stories were iconic episodes of the Serling series. Mm-hmm. As to differing adaptations, I have to ha- I have to say the three versions, uh, Last Man on Earth, Omega Man, and I Am Legend of Matheson's story, I Am Legend, each contained both unique flaws and commendable aspects. It's a story nobody ever seemed to get down on film in quite the right way. And uh, I also agree with that, that they're very different movies and they, uh, yeah, they're not... There are adaptations that go in wildly different directions. Um, the only one of those I've seen is I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. So we'll rely on you and on Sherry. Yeah, they're, they're just, they have different takes. And partly I think it's a function of when they were made. So mm-hmm. Last Man on Earth, I think, was um, mid-60s. And then Omega Man was uh, late 70s, I want to say, or mid-70s. which mm-hmm. And then I Am Legend was really recent, right? It was like 10 years ago. Um. So I, I think each of those movies was very much a product of the the social sensibilities of the time. Mm-hmm. And the original story is just very different from any of them and is vague enough in parts that you can take it in different directions. Mm-hmm. So mm. there is that. Um, to her point about Superman, you know, um, I love the original Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, and I'm not sure I would count it as a remake of the TV series, you know, because mm-hmm. the, the, the George Reeves TV series was just a, you know, a string of little adventures that, that went on every week, and they weren't really connected um, <clears throat> because television was episodic in those days. There was no story arc to it, whereas mm-hmm. the movie was like a, a self-contained thing. It was a story yeah. that happened. So I, I don't know that I'd put that in the same camp as a remake or a reimagining or a reboot. Whereas the modern Superman movies, the ones that have been made in the last 15 years, are definitely mm-hmm. reboots and they all suck. So they're terrible, <laughs> in my opinion. Well, speaking of remakes, reboots, um, uh, something that has been coming up a lot in a uh, Facebook group that I'm a member of, because I'm a huge fan of Judy Garland, is the Lady Gaga uh, oh, yes. Bradley Cooper Star is Born. Yes, which just got released in some movie. Uh, it, it premiered at a, a Toronto film festival. Oh, like, yes, ago, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really funny. <laughs> the person who runs this group has some very strong opinions. And so it kind of shuts down a certain amount of discussion because, uh, well, I won't get into all that. But anyway, so the question came up, are you going to see it? And I said yes, Uh because I'm really, really interested to see it. I like Bradley Cooper. Lady Gaga's supposed to be great. I want to see what they do with it. Um, Most people are, no, 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 will not go, will not go. And it's, it's, it's very funny that... This to so many people who are Garland fans, that has become her property. Even though 
what she did in her movie was based on an earlier non-musical. I was going to say, yeah, it was a remake. <laughs> yeah, with Janet Gaynor, and I've seen that, and that's very good, too. I mean, it's a heartbreaking, beautiful story. I have to say I've never seen the Streisand one because I cannot watch Barbara Streisand under any circumstances, so I'll just leave that there. But what's interesting is, from what I know of the Streisand, and I, like I said, I've seen the other two, they are not really reimaginings except for being set in their own time periods. They, they, they you know, follow that same storyline of him having the problem with alcoholism and, you know, all of that. But um, so I'm interested to, to see that. It sounds like it's good. I, I saw some press coverage from the Toronto Film Festival and people said it was really good. You know, she she is a good actor and brings mm-hmm. a whole different kind of sensibility to it. So, yeah, I mean, why not go see it? It's it's not betraying Judy Garland. She's dead and she doesn't give a shit. So it doesn't I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, people get, get so it's so strange, but she is someone who is deeply important to some people on a level far beyond what I feel. I am a, a great admirer of hers. I, I, you know, could listen to her recordings all the time. And, you know, I have movies of hers that I adore, but I don't have that strong, uh, almost religious connection there. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was she was a human, a human mm-hmm. being, a human A human. Person. A human, a human. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Speaking human words. But, you know, anyway, it's to me, I don't know, if you were like a film student, I think to to do like a compare and contrast of the four versions, taking into yeah. account the eras in which they are made, mm-hmm. um, I think you there's probably some good stuff to be mined there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, I would like to see it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to to bring it back to Star Trek, remember okay. Star Trek is yeah yeah. There's there's this really good pot anyway. Okay, um, <laughs> so I wanted to to read a couple of the comments that got stuck in our Facebook uh, inbox because I thought okay. they were interesting. So um, here is uh, one. I'm I'm going to read a, a slightly uh, redacted version of this, and this was from uh, Wendy who says that. Um, she had a little bit of information about Shatner weekend. Yes, yes. 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 So she said, I'm unsure how it's all going to unfold. It was previously planned quite a bit by the, the two women who used to run it that we encountered when we were mm-hmm. there and they are no longer doing the weekend or the fan club for that matter. Very interesting. Yeah. The price to attend when I went two years ago, pretty much gave us a bus transport to a few places, including to the horse show. The horse show itself is free in general. There was the additional charge for the dinner. The meet and greet is held at the Horse Show Arena, um, done when Bill is done practicing for the show. You are fortunate that when you went, you got to visit the Boston Legal Set. I don't think such a great opportunity will ever happen again. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And she also said, at any rate, the Shatner weekend was very cliquish in my opinion, but what do I know? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, yes, it definitely was. Oh, well, and uh, responding to her, I think... I don't know. Do the do our responses show up in those messages? Yes, I, it's here. I okay, because she and I, she wanted to know who the alpha monkey was, and I was being. Because first of all, I don't remember the alpha monkey's name, but <laughs> it it wasn't Paul. It, it wasn't it, Paul. It, it no. was another guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name either. Well, that's um, all. That's all as it should be. <laughs> yeah. 
here's another note. This is very nice. It's from um, a woman named Lois. And uh, Lois started listening to us back in 2012. That was from her first message when she heard about us um, from Maynard, our good friend Maynard Yay! down under, we which love is him. awesome. And she says, uh, I'm catching up on your podcast more quickly than usual because I'm in the hospital after an accident that smashed my patella into three pieces. Oh. Bear, bear in mind, this is from 2012, this message. So I hope she's a lot better by now. I hope so. Uh, I, I hope all my, went well, Lois. Yeah, really. I brought my iPad and have listened to dozens of episodes between seriously good hospital meals and interruptions to have my... Um, x-rays taken you really have helped to make the time pass and i'm loving the podcast even more as time goes on i love your mentions and inclusions of maynard who has a real cult following australia wide i can believe that i believe that yes best part i have a late suggestion as a name for a men's cologne why not ripped i know yes and i wrote wrote back to her saying that is so good ripped i love it it's ripped yeah oh my god hilariously funny that was great. And then we had um, another very nice note from a guy who said um, he would like to give us a hard uh, hardcover graphic novel. Right. And, and I, um, I have, I'm taking care of that. Yes. So yes. he is definitely going to send it to us. And then as soon as I get it, I think he's going to send it to me. I yes. will go ahead and tell everybody um, what it's all about. It's uh, called Debt of Honor by Chris Claremont and Adam Hughes. And I am very much looking forward to that. Well, yes, and you will report on that. And I will. Again, people, <laughs> we are so sorry that this happened, even though we don't know why. But, um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to have you to know. check that message queue more often just to make sure. Well, I think what happened was that um, this happened to me in my personal Facebook account once upon mm. a time, which was that there's an inbox and then Facebook had this other secret inbox that was called Other. And oh. if you didn't, like, go through a series of completely non-intuitive steps to check <laughs> your Other box, mail would just sit there. And you would never, ever know that it was there. So I think recently what they did was they took away the Other box and everything that was in the Other mailbox oh. then got dumped into your regular box. So it was stuff that you just didn't know. And now it, there's just one box and that's where it all lives. Oh. So dumb. Why would you even have that in the first place? I, I, who knows? There must have been some, you know, reason to spy on us or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Anyway, um, the last thing, because we're, we're coming up on an, our hour or maybe even a little past it by now, was to talk about um, Star Trek Discovery. So they're making it right now. Um, Frakes is directing. I saw some pictures of him doing the direction and they made him a nice cake that was in the shape of a Riker, which I thought was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, he just just wrapped his his episode like within the past few days. Yeah, so that's great. Still, still making the episodes. Everything's very exciting. And in the meantime, while we're all waiting for the new season to start, uh, which is going to be in early 2019, they're doing something called Star Trek Short Treks. And there are four standalone stories that are going to be starting very, very soon. Uh, I know. Yeah, on CBS All Access. And they're all going to be um, the short little stories, 10 to 15 minutes, that focus on different characters. So one on Tilly, one on Saru, one on Harry Mudd. Of course. Yes, and one on a new character called Kraft. 
craft that fit into Discovery and the expanding Star Trek universe. So I'm excited. Hmm. Um, well, yeah. Great. Yeah. How long are these short treks going to be? Do they it say? Says, it says 10, 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes? 10 to 15 minutes. Um, okay, I okay. they just, you know, however long it needs to be. It reminds me a little bit of um, what they were doing with Doctor Who for a while, which was they were doing webisodes at oh, the same yes. time. Yeah, and those were really good. And were they, they added... They added to the, the overall story arcs that were happening, but you didn't need to watch them to mm-hmm. get what was going on in the regular show. But they were there, and they featured all kinds of unexpected things, like the Eighth Doctor coming back, which was fantastic, and mm-hmm. some other stuff. Um, so I, I like the idea that they're doing a, a different media format for, you know, these little offshoot stories from Trek. I think it's yes. awesome. I love it. Yes. So we'll be watching those and talking about those as well, since we're not going to have any discovery until uh, early in 2019. Um, Earlier off the air, you and I were speaking about we are now on all kinds of lists for cruises. (laughs) Gee. Yeah. Uh Well, one showed up for me, and I don't Uh think you got it because you would have said something about the upcoming Star Trek cruise. (sighs) Yeah, I didn't get that. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit about it. Um, It's Star Trek, it's three, it's the cruise three, whatever. Anyway, it starts in Miami, and it goes to Jamaica and a couple different places, and then it comes back. It's, I don't know if it's five-day thing or whatever. Oh, my God, the list of (laughs) guest stars is so long. And it's like, it's like... my thought was it's exactly like what you and I said was it's like being at a Star Trek convention, but you can't get away from it. <laughs> you know, like to go back to, you know, to go have a meal someplace you're not going to run into all the other Trekkies or to go back to your house right. or, you know, to say, okay, I'm only going to do one day of the convention this year. Oh, it's well. like, oh, no, that that isn't isn't for me especially now that I've really that I've been on an actual cruise yeah yeah oh I can't that just sounds terrible I'm so sorry to everybody it does because when we go to conventions you know it's super fun to do it but the best time is when we get to leave the convention and go to our room and drink some beer you know yeah or you know go to some place like I said for some food where we probably aren't going to run into everybody else and and you know to have some downtime because it is Mentally, physically, and emotionally exhausting. Mm-hmm. It really is. I could not imagine being around those people all the time. And, you know, honestly, I don't think I would ever want to do a cruise where there were famous people in the same place yeah. as me. Because I'd always be nervous that I'd be, like, sitting at the pool and they'd sit down next to me. Or I'd be in the mm-hmm. hot tub. And so, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I don't want to be on that kind of alert the whole time that I'm going to see somebody that I'm afraid I'll look like an idiot if right. I say the wrong thing or inadvertently offend them or something. Well, also... <sighs> My purpose now in going on cruises with you <laughs> is to have us time yes. and for me, me time, you know, those things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would ever go on a theme cruise. No, I no. no, I don't think so. So anyway, but if anybody has gone on one of those or <laughs> is going, we are dying to hear about it. And we it will was- not judge you. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it, that's the thing. I think if you're really into it and that's your deal and you want to be with all those people, cool. 
but tell us about it. Like, yeah, you give us the, you go, you do the field trip, you give us all the information <laughs> on what it was like, and we will be very, very appreciative of it. Yes. But we're not going to go. Yes. Oh, I have to tell you one other thing. Remember when we went to the corn maze? Uh, yes, I was thinking about that just the other day. Yes. Okay. Um, someplace else, you know, there are a number of corn mazes, but someplace else is doing a corn maze. And um, in the middle of the corn maze is a bar. <laughs> and all I could think was sweaty and drunk and lost. Oh, my God. Not, yeah. not, <laughs> not just... I thought that's not that's not for me. I will never do another corn maze for starters. Well, <laughs> but we only did that one because it was a Star Trek corn maze, that's right? It's not like you and I are going around looking for weird things to do. They come to us. Oh, they do. <laughs> they really do. Oh my goodness. But um, anyway, so uh, um, that's okay. our update from the world of corn mazes. It is, and I want to say one more thing. And, okay. And then we were gonna we're gonna end this goddamn show. For really, we really. Need to stop okay. talking now. Which is that um, I I went to Worldcon a couple months ago, and I I never. We didn't talk about it on the show much, mm -hmm. I don't think. It was great. I had a really good time. It was so small compared to uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con. But it was really fun. And one of the things that was great was um, just seeing really chill fans. I saw Ooh. a guy wearing a Trek in the Park t-shirt. Really? Uh, I did. And unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to him. I saw oh. him and, and it was just in an event and he was doing one thing and I was doing another and I couldn't like go right up to him and be like, you went to Trek in the Park. Tell me all about it. I wanted to hear about it. But I saw a guy yeah. wearing a Trek in the Park shirt and that was very exciting for me. I think it would be nice to go to a small con. Yes, it was so different. So very, mm -hmm. very, very different from all the cons that you and I have ever been to. And yep. I, I would like to go again. Actually, the one in 2020, I believe, is happening in New Zealand. So <gasps> I might go to that one. Wow. Because of reasons. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. That might be fun. Start start saving up our quatloos. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, all right. Okay. We're we're done now. We're done talking about all this stuff. Um, boy, this, this has been a jam-packed episode. It really was. So everybody go out there, read Bill's book, listen to Bill's album, yes. get his Christmas album when it comes out. Let us know what you think about all of these things because we want to hear from you. We love and hearing from you. We never ignore you. It's just... Facebook, you know, technology sometimes is not our friend. Fucking technology, yeah. Um, so uh, please continue to hop over to the Facebook group because there's always stuff happening on there. Um, you can follow us or me, really, on Twitter. Um, but I post all kinds of Star Trek stuff there as well as the occasional political comment because these are the times that try men's souls and all that. Yes, um, yes, indeed. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back with, with more episodes soon. If you're going to watch the Star Trek short tracks, please let us know what you think about those as well. But no spoilers, just in case we haven't yes, seen them yet. Yes, yes. Well, we, we will be watching them as well. Yeah. Okay. That well, will do it for this episode. Thank you, listeners, for being so loyal and for, for sticking with us for this, this whole time. We love you guys. Love you, love you, love you. And yeah. live long and potluck. <laughs> Thank you.